We have been on Sunday evenings going through uh, selective psalms, and as I was thinking about the Lord's Supper tonight, the Lord directed me to Psalm chapter 22, so I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and go there. A psalm that Spurgeon referred to as the Psalm of the Cross, and our minds and our hearts are directed there tonight, but I hope and pray that you will see God's plan, God's redemption plan from the foundations of the world. We have in Psalm chapter 22 a detailed account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and the remarkable, the remarkable thing about that is that this psalm was written a thousand years before Jesus Christ came. So by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David, who is the writer of this psalm, he, he sees down through centuries and he sees the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ as clearly as Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John as they recorded. And even as we read it tonight, David is describing both the suffering as we just heard, and the praise that flow from the cross. And this psalm has double fulfillment. No doubt David, who is writing it, is expressing from his own heart some personal experiences in this psalm, as there were times in his life of distress when he cried out to God. But it goes way beyond David. And as we read it, we will see that it goes into the future. It, it speaks very clearly as we read through it. We'll, we'll understand, we'll hear things that remind us of the cross. And so in its fullest fulfillment, it is for the future and it is referring to Jesus Christ. It's, it's obvious for us now as we look back, but as the Holy Spirit was inspiring David to pen these words uh, a thousand years before Jesus came, All that we see and know now may not have been as obvious to those in that time. But as you and I read it today, you will will see and know the reference to the cross that David is writing of. He begins in verse number 1, right out of the gate, with the words that Jesus will speak on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry... In the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praise of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people, Those words remind us of Isaiah chapter 53 as well. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up. 
like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. And then verse 22 takes a shift. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor poured the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. Catherine Kelly wrote a hymn called, Oh, Make Me to Understand It. And in the first verse of this, she says, Give me a sight, O Savior, of thy wondrous love to me. That's what Miss Jan was talking about. If for some, or somehow, supernaturally, we could see the love of God that was given to us and demonstrated to us on the cross. He says, Of the love that brought thee down to earth to die on Calvary. Oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in, what it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. And as we look at this psalm written a thousand years before Jesus Christ, we see again the the miracle of the inspired scriptures. We see three things that I want to just point out this evening before we have the Lord's Supper. And the first is the, the prophecy of the cross. Both the Old and the New Testament, they have the same villain, and that is Satan, the enemy. Both the Old and the New Testament, they have the same hero. Everywhere you go, from Genesis to Revelation, it points us to the hero who is Jesus Christ. It has the same purpose, and that is to point people to the gospel message of salvation. If you aren't convinced that Psalm 22 is speaking of Jesus, Psalm 22 is quoted seven times in the New Testament, and every time it is in reference to Jesus Christ. And what is amazing is that David here, Brother Kendall, is describing crucifixion. A thousand years before Jesus came, crucifixion was not even thought of in David's time, and yet he describes it with such accuracy. 
inspired by the Holy Spirit to do so. There are at least 33 exact prophecies concerning the crucifixion of Jesus Christ right here in Psalm 22. And I'm just going to mention a few of them. Maybe you picked up on them as we were reading through this. And I mentioned the first one. Verse 1 prophesies the exact words that Jesus said on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Look, Jesus wasn't quoting David. David was prophesying what Jesus would say on the cross. Verse 2 prophesies the supernatural darkness that would come on the land when Jesus was crucified. Look at it again. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. Jesus was put on the cross at 9 a.m. He died at 3 p.m., and for six agonizing hours, Jesus hung on the cross For three hours in the daylight and then at high noon the sun refused to shine and darkness hid the face of the sun. Matthew writes it like this in Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Right in the middle of the day the sun refused to look upon the scene and the skies were darkened. Three hours of day, three hours of night when Jesus was on the cross but notice again in its poetic way how, the, how David says, I cry in the daytime and in the night season. Verses 7 through 12 prophesy the detailed mockery and the beatings of Jesus. In verses 7 and 8 it says, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord. Let him deliver him seeing he delighted in him. Verse number 12, many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round about. That's the Old Testament. Listen to Matthew describe it in, in the New Testament account, in the gospel account in Matthew 27. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their head and saying, thou that destroyed the temple and builded it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Amazing how Psalm 22, a thousand years before that, gives such vivid description of that same wording that Matthew records in the gospel. And he says in verse number 14 of Psalm 22, I am poured out like water. John 19.34 says, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. Verses 17 and 18 prophesy that they stripped him of his garments. Look at it again. I may tell all my bones. Notice this. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Reminding us, Matthew 27, 28, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Verse 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture 
did they cast lots. Look, I hope that every time you read Psalm 22 from now on that it goes well beyond just David writing of his own despair and his own grief, but it reminds you of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ because that is exactly what David is writing of and prophesying of. To say that all this is mere chance is absolutely impossible, isn't it? It astounds me how people can read these Psalms and other Old Testament passages that were written hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus ever came, prophesying in such detail of his crucifixion. A time when crucifixion wasn't even thought of, described so vividly by David. Not only do we see the prophecy of the cross, but secondly, we see the pain of the cross. Jesus suffered, first of all, by the holy hand of God. As we see in verses 1 through 3 again, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest me not in the night season, and am not silent. Notice this phrase, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Thou art holy. God answers the question of why God had to turn his back on his own son, Jesus Christ, and that phrase, Thou art holy. Because in the holiness of God the Father, He could not look upon Jesus as Jesus took upon the sins of all the the world, of all time. Every sin taken upon him. In the holiness of God, God the Father has to turn his eyes away from Jesus. Habakkuk, the prophet, wrote, saying of God, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. And when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus was iniquity. He took up on our sin. That's what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How many of you are thankful for that verse? He became sin for us so that we could have his righteousness applied to our life. So that today when God sees you and I, he does not see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. The payment that was made for you and I. Our sins were placed upon Jesus. Every lie, every blasphemy All perversion, all filth, all drunkenness, all rape, all murder, all unbelief, all blasphemy was placed upon Jesus on the cross. And just as you and I would be forsaken by God if we were to die in our sins, Jesus was forsaken by the Father because he died for our sins. Romans 8.32, Paul writes, He that spared not his own son. Speaking of God. He also suffered not only... At the holy hand of God, but at the hateful hands of man. And David describes this in verse number 6. He says, I am a worm, a reproach of men, despised of the people. Jesus is described here as a worm. And the word for worm here is for the crimson worm. A small worm that was crushed to give crimson dye. You see, if you step on a serpent, a serpent will do what? Strike back. But if you step on a worm, he doesn't strike back. Remember what the Bible says when Jesus was reviled, he did what? He reviled not. And Jesus, like a worm, it is even described 
in Isaiah in the New Testament as well that he was crushed or as Paul described it but Jesus being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross he suffered at the hands of men and then of course he also suffered at the horrible hands of Satan verse 19 through 21 of this psalm describes that be not thou far from me O Lord O my strength haste to help me deliver my soul from the sword my darling from the power of the dog save me from the lion's mouth this picture is that Satan was also involved in wanting Jesus to die on the cross hoping and thinking that perhaps he would stay dead if he could just see him killed and crucified that he would be defeated at the cross of course, 1 Peter 5, 8 describes him as a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. On the cross, Jesus was under the very assault of hell. Luke twenty two fifty three says, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Psalm 22 describes the agony of the cross. God the Father turned His back, his disciples shrank back and suspended between heaven and earth. Jesus died. A hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. He suffered in his humanness. We see the prophecy of the cross in the psalm. We see the pain of the cross. And then lastly, we see the power of the cross. And aren't you thankful for the power of the cross? Suddenly in verse 22, the language shifts. He begins to praise the Lord. There is a change. He has now paid the price. He is now raised from the dead. And he shows himself in these verses as prophet, priest, and king. In verse number 22, he is prophet proclaiming the saving power of God. He says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. He is priest in verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Jesus gave himself for us that he might uh, give himself not just for us, but give himself to us. He is the bread of heaven, John describes. Not only is he the prophet, not only is he the priest, but he is the soon coming king. He is the prince and the king. Not only will he declare the father, not only will he deliver the faithful, but he will also dominate the future. He is the part. He he is all in all for us. Let's read the last few verses beginning in verse number 27. Let's read aloud verse 27 and 28 if you have your Bibles open there. Read it with me aloud. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he is the governor among the nations. As prince and king, he's coming again to rule and to reign. And then notice verse 30. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. Notice this phrase, that he hath done this. Now you might just run through that if you were reading that. 
But I want you to mark that little phrase, he hath done this. It's translated in one Hebrew word. And it is the word finished. He has done this. It is finished. Which John 19.30 records for us that Jesus proclaimed upon the cross. It is finished. Not I am finished. It is finished. The work is finished. Redemption's work is done. How does the psalmist begin this psalm? With the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How does he finish this psalm? With the words of Jesus, it is finished. In the New Testament, in the Greek, tetelestai, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and died finished. It is done. In fact, I would encourage you this week to go and read Psalm 22, 23, and 24 together because they are a trilogy of Jesus, the shepherd. In Psalm 22, he is the great sacrifice, the great shepherd who dies for the sheep, as we just reviewed. In chapter 23, he is the good shepherd who cares for the sheep. And in Psalm 24, he is the chief shepherd who returns in glory to reward his sheep for their service. I want you to notice Psalm 22, verse 1. Notice the difference between Psalm 22, 1 and, verse, and Psalm 24, 10. Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Psalm 24, 10. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. See, the cross was... Not the end, for he would rise again and make no mistake about it, he is coming back for you and I.